Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. Brendo, how are you, mate? So disappoint everyone out there. <laughs> <laughs> Brendo ain't here. This Brendo. is Gaz. Gaz, how, how are you, Gaz? Um, yeah, Brendo is not here, and we have just had about 20 minutes worth of dicking around with um, Zoom. Sorry, Gaz, that's all on me. Brendo will be oh. shaking his head, but he's taking the night off for um, a, a birthday party. No need to apologise at all. As a matter of fact, I was going to ask how, uh, you know, Brendo's going as far as, you know, what was revealed regarding the heavy tension, Which giving part? up the lungers, oh. giving up the cigarettes, oh, you know. Yes. It's not um, the kind of thing you budge him about, hassle him about, you know. Yeah, um, I, I, he was, no, he was okay the other day. I've not, actually, I didn't, I forgot to ask him today, or so I did see him earlier on today when he came around to drop all this stuff off, but um, I didn't ask, but he, no, he seemed okay, so maybe he's had one, I don't know. Who knows? He could be a man on the edge, and maybe the tech he, issues earlier yeah. might have triggered him. Guys, you want to introduce yourself, mate, rather than rather than? <laughs> yeah, sure, mate. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm Gaz. Uh, Twitter handle Gaz Larking. Um, so I guess you could probably say um, I'm a Bitcoin pleb, if such a such a term exists. Uh, um, I'll tell you probably a bit about myself, background. Um, I, uh, yeah, basically it's, I guess the Bitcoin story is probably, I come from sort of a value investing background, uh, sort of tertiary qualified in accounting and finance, and then did computer systems engineering. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was, and then drifted into value investing. Uh, you know, there's probably be links into why you would do that, but that's probably the limitations of a um, fiat system, which makes everyone need to be an expert in investing so that they don't lose their work, as we know. But, yeah, um, yeah that was sort of my journey. I sort of was pretty big into value investing. A lot of, um, you know, background reading and that sort of stuff, just about everything I could get my hands on. Uh, so that's pretty much what led me to Bitcoin. Um, and that's, you know, probably where we take up the take up the story. I could tell you a little bit more about, you know, I worked overseas a fair bit. Um, I was working in PNG, spent nearly ten years over there um, as an IT manager for a company up there. Uh, so did a lot of a lot of stuff up there. Um, so yeah, probably pretty technical background. So um, when was it? I guess when were you first aware of Bitcoin? And then when did you actually sort of start digging? Yeah, it sounds a bit, uh, you know, common, like a lot of folks that you'll hear ask that same question. You have your touch points, you hear about it along the line, don't take it seriously, think it's a scam. Um, but listening to Brendo on just previous episodes, um, I think I probably got in around about similar time to him. So late 2019, I became aware of it and started doing the deep dive at late 2019 into 2020. Um, and it's literally been nonstop since then. It's, um, yeah, but that, crazy. But that's pre-COVID? A bit just slightly, just slightly pre-COVID? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much pre-COVID. Uh, we were, 
doing a job up in Kazakhstan um, in March 2020, just when everything was going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 3% of people in Brisbane <laughs> had masks on and uh, 95% had them up in Seoul, uh, which is sort of transit over to um, Astana. Uh, uh, right. Okay. Okay. We do we do a lot of international projects with the work that I do at the moment. Got you. Uh, but did that mean you had to come back? Did COVID mean you had to come back? Yeah. Your- yeah. Very much so. Um, it was oh, it was crazy. Some of the some of the stories that were happening around that time, uh, you know, because one of our guys was transiting through China, and okay. um, you know, full hazmat suits on the plane, and I'm getting the reports as a project manager, and um, you know, <laughs> you deal with all issues, and uh, here's one. Uh, there's an yeah. outbreak. Uh, we might not get off the plane here. No one knows what's going on. So, yeah, we bugged out and, and well, back to us. Pretty, did that, pretty crazy time. Did that then mean, like, did that free up time for you or did that create work for you? Like, I'm sorry, what, <laughs> what, what I'm trying to get to is, like, how did you, you started digging on Bitcoin, but what, why did you all of a sudden make the time to dig? Yeah, it's a fair question. And um, probably got to give a shout out to an ex-work colleague of mine. Um, who, and it's a fairly fundamental question, isn't it, about what attracts people to Bitcoin of from all walks of life. And probably if nothing else on this particular discussion, you know, you just take an average person like myself with my particular background and see the journey into Bitcoin and what is it that resonates with some people and, and not with others. But in this instance, it was a friend of mine, work colleague, who knew that I was pretty big into value investing. And yep. he simply asked, and I used to lay a little bit of, you know, good-natured ribbing about how's all that crypto stuff going Yeah, way back then. That's all I knew. And, uh, you know, he took it really well. And then he's, you know, he's a very earnest fellow, uh, Dirk. Shout out to Dirk if he's listening. And uh, he basically said, Gary, here's a challenge for you. Uh, answer me this question. What is Bitcoin? Okay. Because he'd seen my approach to a few different things. And uh, that's all it took for me to so launch on a journey four years. <laughs> okay, so a big yeah. wide open, a big wide open question that you probably, when you first heard it, thought, "Shit, I don't know," and you started just looking. Is that fair? Well, yeah, it's, it's fair to say. You know, like if you sort of see a lot of different topics in your travels, um, and you know, you just count a lot of them maybe because you haven't heard enough about it or maybe it just looked and felt like a scam, maybe smelt a bit like a scam, maybe some association with some of the crypto stories going around. But the summary is you just didn't really take it that seriously, except you had one person who took it very seriously and sort of said, no, listen, you might want to look at this. And that was about it. So is there something about Dirk particularly, just like it's just a guy you respected? Is that so? It, just a fellow, yeah. You know what it's like. You keep on good terms with some of the, your ex-work colleagues. And yep. um, and and it, it was literally like that. I was just having lunch with him just to catch up because we weren't working together anymore, but just a, a good guy. And, um, yeah, and you know, in, in a very earnest fashion, uh, posing that question to me. And it's hard to... I mean, it would have been very easy to just sort of say, yeah, I'm not interested, next. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, there was something that struck a chord. And so I started having wondering how I can even find out about this particular topic. And I think it's quite an interesting one because literally I had no idea. 
like a lot of folks yeah. when they first come across this, you know, where do you go from here? So um, it started for me with podcasts and and books, like like I said earlier regarding value investing. All right, here's a topic. I don't know much about it. Read. <laughs> My dad used to tell me, uh, if in doubt, read the instructions. So uh, you try and find somebody who's courteous enough to write some instructions. And um, I then, you know, there was some books that were coming into play and quite clearly the Bitcoin standard was one of those things. But more than that, you know, podcasts, like I was never really a social media type guy uh, prior to that. And and I would say I'm still not, but very much I am. (laughs) Um, But but only because (laughs) of Bitcoin. I don't yeah. care about taking photos of my lunch, no, no, you know, no. or, or, or of me working out like some guys do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, anything to do with Bitcoin, it's interesting. And what you used to hear on the podcast was somebody saying something about Twitter. And I thought, well, what's all that about? Like there was a conversation going on that I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, there's the people who are actually on the podcast, like yourself, obviously, as an example. But, you know, all the others, like the Preston Pishes of this world and the, you know, just guys who, if they talk, you want to listen. You were a podcast listener already? No, no, not at all. Uh, Just basically it's how am I going to find out about this topic? And um, I don't even remember what even introduced me to it. Um, It was... You know, because I recall quite clearly, I only ever used to listen to music, um, you know, when, you know, running or going to the gym or doing something mindless on the lawn. Um, And then all of a sudden, I think I might have heard my first podcast somehow. Um, Might have even been a YouTube thing. And Mm -hmm. then you hear about pod through that. And, uh, And that was kind of it. Some of the early stuff, you know, this was just when Michael Saylor was sort of breaking onto the scene. Oh, and, course. you know, when you hear a guy like that speak, it's fairly compelling. So it's just logic analysis and with a very keen sense of like a bullshit detector, like a, like a scam detector. Yes. You know what I mean? You know exactly what I mean because if you – People try and make a big um, song and dance about something like with an obvious sales pitch. It just smells wrong. And so I had the detector very firmly on at that point. Search And probably still to this day, still searching for those things which I'm missing. You know, you think you know something about a topic, but maybe I'm just missing it. What is it? <laughs> so more research, more research, more tangents, more yeah. rabbit hole. It's it's all these things that uh, that's what I found is that all these things that I thought I knew about, um, mm. I really I really had a really superficial knowledge, and that knowledge wasn't really based on much when I actually critically looked at it. Um, and it you know all of a sudden your bullshit filter is going off for yourself. And you're going, oh, I'm parroting stuff that I really have no primary research on whatsoever. And then when you, but once you realize you're doing that, if you are a sort of critical, hopefully a sort of critical, thoughtful, critical, critical thinking, thoughtful person, you're like, mm. oh, oh shit, I better, I'm going to look like a fool if I don't look at this. So I have to look. But it comes full circle back to what is it that's within you that actually makes you want to do that. Mm-hmm. And that, is different for different people. And that's another one of the fascinating tangents of this. Um, 
but the, continuing on that particular narrative, so, you know, the progression from uh, what's this whole concept? How do, I, how do I learn something about this? So books, um, maybe a little bit of YouTube stuff, into podcasts, and then that leads into Twitter, and then came the real bit because that's when you find there's actually some real humans somewhere around hidden behind avatars and the whole Anon thing, <laughs> uh, which, you know, I didn't actually know that much about at the time. Uh, but, you know, guilty as charged. It is what it is. But it hasn't really bothered me too much. Um, but that's when you, you know, you find there's some folks around the place and they exist in real life. And as luck would have it, here in Brisbane, there is actually um, a fairly good, Bitcoin scene and through um, various means I managed to find these guys and that I reckon is probably one of the biggest things if, if someone's listening to this how do you actually find people in real life um, and, and for me uh, there was the meetups in Brisbane and as it turns out they're really only advertised I think on meetup uh, that app called meetup yep. and so I think uh, Ben um, did that here and Wiz and, you know, but I came across it through Twitter via Wiz and um, as luck would have it, he happened to be in the same city, pure coincidence and um, get along there and there they all are, all these suspects and you sort of wonder, wow. And it's it's almost like, um, it's an expression uh, Wiz likes using, find your tribe. Yeah. And all of a sudden there they all are and all they want to do is talk about Bitcoin. And everybody else outside those circles really don't want to talk about Bitcoin because they don't care and they have not done any work and they're not really inclined to because for whatever reason, their mind isn't attuned that way. And, and that's the bit still a mystery to me, why some folks are attracted to it and others are not. You say um, the, the Bitcoin Brisbane meetup is only on meetup. Uh, yeah. And and Twitter, but um, do you think that's my good... knowledge? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah but, but 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 yeah, but that's but also, but yeah, that's the point, isn't it? That's what you're aware of. So, um, is that but is that also a good thing? Like, is that because then the people who actually do manage to find their way there are genuinely, genuinely keen when they arrive, or do you think we we've got a responsibility to try and reach out further into the into the community of people who don't really know what's happening here? Yeah, it's a fair question. Um. That was discussed. That was one of the things that they were talking about at the Bush Bash because, I mean, that was the progression from the Brisbane one. Then you learn there's an Australian one. And so, you know, I've been to a few of those since and they're top shelf, you know, just nothing but quality signal and good mm -hmm. people. Um, one of the things discussed was about things like TAFE courses or, you know, how does the average person, you know, just someone like me, find out more and actually get to meet people like this. You're not going to find out via mainstream media. All you're going to hear is a confluence of um, <clears throat> Bitcoin and crypto because most of the journos don't know the difference. Uh, yeah. So I've discovered. Um, <laughs> that's another one of my, uh, <laughs> one of the little things to keep myself entertained whenever there's something going on that you read in the financial review or something like that, you actually seek out the columnist who's on Twitter and correct them <laughs> in a good natured way. You don't want to, you know, be oh. that guy. I'm not always good-natured, but, yeah, thank you for being nice. <laughs> well, it's pretty easy to eliminate that irritation from your life. Block, <laughs> block, see ya. So try to keep it keep it civil uh, if I can. <laughs> good, for you. good for you. You're a better <laughs> man than me. Well, I haven't quite got to 
I try not to. I've got to the full toxic zone, <laughs> um, but probably depends on the individual, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, how, how do people find out about it? Like, say, you find Bitcoiners in real life. I mean, I, honestly, I have met a few people who've gone along to those meetups and they said they just did a, an internet search and that's how they found it. Mm-hmm. So maybe not massive uh, difficulty there to find. I don't think it probably should be difficult because what happens is, is that you get a lot of folks who they just fall into these all these crypto scams. They get them in there and they just try and sell them something. Um, maybe that'll die its own death. I don't know due to some of the what's going on in the US with the Howey test and the SEC stuff yeah. where they're really coming down hard on that. But for now, it's still there. I just saw a thing this afternoon about... Um, or was it the staking, ETH staking, that we can go make that illegal over there? So oh, anyway, yeah, but another, you saw Brian, uh, you saw Brian's tangent. Post, you? Oh, mate, it's just another one, another tangent. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, there's, uh, well, I said, there's thousands of different ways we can take this. So what yeah. have you been, let me, let, so you've been to multiple Brisbane local meetups. What else have you been to in the sort of uh, the meat space world? Um, well, look, for, to my knowledge, there really isn't very many. Obviously, you've got the, the first one coming up in uh, the Sydney conference, Bitcoin Alive. Yeah, you're which, going to uh, that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'll be, uh, look, it, it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, uh, the difference between that and, and the, the bush bash, Yes, I suppose. Uh, yes. But it's all new for everybody. And, you know, but I think it's fantastic that they're actually going out of their way to set something up like this and make it a destination. And with that being advertised, it probably answers a question. How do you find out about Bitcoin? Well, you know, you find a lot of Bitcoin as something like that. Um, I'll be very interested to see who fronts up to that, actually, whether there is actually any genuine mainstream yeah. interest or whether it's just a bunch of Bitcoiners. I don't know. But yeah. I don't mean that <laughs> in a nasty way, just a bunch no, of No, no, at all. No, it doesn't, um, it's, always, I, it's always fantastic. But, um, you know, mainstream media, like your traditional finance journals, those sorts of folk, um, you know, sometimes you feel like it's a bit, you know, um, isolated and very much a niche, but such an encompassing topic. So time will tell. It's, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I'm a, obviously a big fan of what the guys with the Bush Bash do. They get, you know, they, they don't like to be, call themselves organizers, the, but, you know, the Bush Bash people who are, who go, I love it. It's wonderful. And I've not been to them all. I'd love to go to other ones, but, um, but I'm also interested in going to the kind of big conference thing as well, just to see the oh, difference. Because sure. I think that, just to we, see everyone in one place, you know, because you don't yeah. always get like, as you were saying a moment ago, um, one of the, the good things about the bush bashes is they actually put them in a difficult location. Yeah. A hard to get spot, which is just fantastic for mine. You know, you've got to put effort in to get there. Um, and so if you've got something sitting in middle of Sydney, you know, you probably get a few tourists uh, and we'll see how that plays yeah. out. But that's not saying that's a bad thing. Uh, it's actually needed. Absolutely needed. I mean, ultimately, Brendo and I speak about this regularly, and I've spoken to also spoken to Merrick about it with his part. Like, people mm. are going to connect with different people. Like, something that you say is going really going to resonate with somebody, and then and then you can speak to you know somebody else saying the exactly same words, and they, they are not interested in what you got to say. So mm. we, we, there needs to be lots of voices out there, and it needs to be done in every possible. It needs to be through culture, you know, art, music, p- podcasts, um, conferences. Just they sitting next to the guy you work at work work beside, um, because people are going to connect in different ways. And if, if we're genuinely wanting to 
pull people into the movement, like, or at least um, pull people in is probably the wrong way. Like give them give give them something to start on and let them decide if they want to. Um, I think it, we need all sorts. Oh, mate, there's a cracking topic right there on its own. Uh, you know, because you're basically talking about adoption and how that works. I mean, getting people in. Um, look, it, it, any person who's actually been in Bitcoin for a while will probably see, um, you know, changes in themselves in what Bitcoin does to them. Um, and also... They go through stages, I reckon, of wanting to just tell everybody about what's going on. It's like some sort of evangelist, you yeah. know, and like got to like the term you use, which is what bring them in, you know, like what, like Scientology, like absolutely witness. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm, yeah. and, and like you hear about orange pilling people, how are you going with your orange pilling? And it's sort of after a bit, you say, hey, you know what, just get it out there that this is a topic I'm interested in, but um. You know, I'm not going to go banging on your door. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just not going to happen because you just don't want that guy who loves medieval sword fighting to come and say, <laughs> man, you've got to get along. You absolutely have to. There's yeah. only so many ways you can say, you know what? I'm not that interested. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my wife um, did, did, did mention these things to me a few times. You know, like, uh, you do get to that point and you're, you are that I was that guy standing on the doorstep. I'm um, sure I heard that someone wrote a book about how to, what is it? How to deal with being a Bitcoiner, how to blend into society. Wow. <laughs> Did you wow. remember that? No, I don't even know I, I my imagination. No. <laughs> if nobody's just, written that book, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> because you think about it, everyone's the same. And it's like, like Larry Lepard, like that guy's fantastic. But one of the things you hear him say is he's going to a party and his wife says, <laughs> no, no, not this time. Not, tonight, not with Larry. these people. <laughs> not this time. Not with these people. <laughs> and he just says, and goes, "Well, I'm me." And guess what? <laughs> That's what's going to go down. And so it's, next thing, he's on the pulpit. <laughs> it's really the good word. Yeah, it's really, really hard. And like, I'll consciously from time to time go, "Do you know what? Go listen to the radio. Go watch the telly. Go pick up a newspaper." And see what other folks do, right? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, but don't, and, but not mainstream media. But, You'll just you, do your heading. I know, but you, yeah, but you have to. I think I think you do have to still be aware of where other people like where they're at. Oh no, I hear you. I hear you know, you. so and I, but yeah. I, I get, I, I can watch. Have you? When was the last time you tried listening to the radio? I mean, it's it's, it's actually you know, I horrific. listen to the radio. Uh, all the time in the afternoon. But I'll tell you what, here's a hot tip for everyone listening. Please. There's a radio station called Rebel FM. It's on the okay. Gold Coast. Now, you okay. wouldn't believe this. I hop into a um, rental car up in Weeper who are doing some work. I work in the mining industry and we've got to go to some pretty crazy places. And I'm up <clears throat> in Weeper. Weeper? I, I don't even know where Weeper is. Where's Weeper? Well, Weeper, W-E-I-P-A. It's right up at the tip of North Queensland. Okay. We've got Bulkside operation up there. Okay. And... Um, so I hop in the car and they're just playing this absolutely crazy good music. And um, for me, I, I like sort of hard rock and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, and I'm hearing this. Well, what, what in Weeper? It's like the middle of nowhere. What's going on? And I find out that there's this uh, radio station on the Gold Coast. And they've got relays all over uh, Queensland, which is interesting enough. But they've got an internet feed. And anyone across the planet can tune in. 
uh, rebelfm.com. Uh, don't okay. worry, I don't get any endorsements or anything. And um, so I just turn it on like when I'm doing work and you're just hearing. That's the only way actually I hear what's going on with news or anything in the middle of, um, of radio uh, like that. But they don't do it in such a way that, you know, makes you <laughs> not want to listen to it, put it that way. I mean, it is interesting when you look at the stats, though, of like uh, mainstream media versus like Rogan, for example. And mm. we all talk about being concerned about this mainstream narrative, and it is a problem. But that's not where people—that's not where the ears are, the eyeballs are. They're on, you know, they're on Rogan. Or, or well, it's interesting. I was just discussing this um, on the weekend with my brother, who you know he drew the distinction between news and current affairs. Yeah. And he said, don't confuse the two. Yeah. And if you think about Joe Rogan, he's very much current affairs, mm-hmm. and um, or at least some version of that. Uh, but I, I, I like the style. I love the deep dives. I love the deep dives. They are fantastic to actually get into the meat and potatoes of a subject rather than just the, you know, the clickbait, the 30-second uh, superficial. Um, but that's just me. Or maybe it's not just me. It's got a lot of listeners. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um... Yeah, I just think we all need to cast in, cast the net as wide as possible and try and listen to other things. But Tim, um, it oh, is yeah. fr- it is madly frustrating when you get into some mainstream program and you just spend the first you you get you're lucky if you make it a few minutes before you're just shaking your head. But I don't think <laughs> I don't think people are spending. I mean, I guess I guess, but a lot of people are spending their time in you know Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, which is probably not very helpful either. Uh, definitely not very helpful. Yeah, but um, but. But you raise a good topic, though, because if you sort of tune into that and, you know, let's face it, before any of us really took a deep dive into Bitcoin, you know, we're all just pretty normal people. I like to think we're pretty normal still, but just happen to have this passion for Bitcoin. And you kind of find yourself looking at the world through that lens. And then, as you were just saying, you turn that around and you look at it, you go through school. Uh, they never teach you about money, but they teach you that you've got to go to work and to earn money. You've got not equipped with any idea about what to do with it. And that's the whole thing. And most of these folk, it, you see it all the time. They, they're just poorly equipped for the world around them. Um, and they run into a lot of problems, you know, debt, credit card debt. And then you start seeing interest rates get jacked and people can't figure out why. You see inflation, people can't figure out why. And they're just, I'm not saying like I'm an all-seeing authority to it, but I mean, you read a lot about this sort of thing in the sort of the Bitcoin stuff. And um, geez, when you're dealing with normal life, because I don't work for a Bitcoin company, I work, you know, for um, sort of a mainstream company. but geez, just some of the things that you hear from from people, they're just not attuned to to the real world. It, it's quite fascinating. Let's go let's well, go there then. So yeah. you're saying you work in a you're still working in Fiat land, let's say. You're or yeah. Just a, um Yeah, I'm really lucky. I mean, the are, place uh, that I work for is um yeah, it's a very niche area. We do software in the mining industry and yeah. um great bunch of people, just a lot of really clever engineers. And and you know, they're the sort of people who I sort of deal with uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um, but sorry, as you're saying. No, no, I'm just going to say, but you've got, well, in your work then, you've got a connection to real things, real tangible things, which mm. which is hard to, it's hard to bullshit, right? Um, oh, so- mate, yeah. 
I mean, just just case in point, just today or yesterday, we had a um, who was it? A client, you know, negotiating a contract, and they say, right, we don't want you guys to have any price increases at all over the next ten years, or <laughs> words to that effect. And it's like you just you beggar, like you, you cannot believe it. You just are you aware of? of yeah, you know, the world around you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this is kind of where it's an isolated example, I know, but I mean, it's <laughs> when you've done the sort of stuff that I've done, like you've done, and probably most of the folks listening to this have done, you get a pretty deep dive on monetary history, money supply, fiscal policy, monetary policy, and why inflation happens and what a scourge it is. And when you hear that in kind of real life, you've got to be as nice as you can while politely saying, no, that ain't going to happen. Yeah, that's just impossible. I mean, I used to, when I was on the other side of the fence, so I was a government procurement guy um, who was negotiating on behalf, and we would mm. deliberately try and link contracts to CPI. Why? Why? Because we knew, or at least maybe, maybe I'm giving some of my colleagues more credit than they deserve, but we knew that if we did that, essentially the price is coming down because the CPI isn't isn't a true reflection of what's happening in life, right? So it's actually you're getting over over the course of a three, four, five year contract, you're actually getting a better and better, better deal. Whether yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a good case in point, and but even that going. But, but I would never have been brass necked enough to say no, no price increases over 10 years. Oh, big brass ones, isn't it? Um, yeah, biggest belief. <clears throat> but what do you do? So, I mean, but but even that is quite clever what you were just talking about, like putting that in and, um, you know, but most folks, you know, they'll believe CPI, they'll, they'll believe that number has got some meaningful thing in their life. Um, but then they go, fill up with fuel or you know see all these prices increasing all the time for most basic things lumber good example with housing and and builders is probably the one that's caught my attention recent times mm -hmm. like how can they cost a job where so many things are just changing and they're used to a particular mode of operation yeah um you know so I don't know. There's a million things like that uh, that you could talk about. You mentioned value investing, right? So yeah. um, has learning about Bitcoin made you kind of leave that a little bit just because it's very difficult to value oh. your business and when it doesn't <laughs> have Bitcoin a, the balance sheet? There's a good question. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the reality is this, and uh, just before the show, I mentioned about, and big shout out to Pete Dunworth um, oh, yeah. for the pod that you guys did uh, a couple of weeks back. Um, I don't listen to too many pods twice, but I listened to that one because just what he was laying down, it's great to see uh, like a mainstream professional finance guy get Bitcoin mm -hmm. and outline all the reasons why. For me, that is just critical. So with value investing, part of it is evaluation. Part of it is critic and risk management and just looking at all investment options. Um, and I've heard, well, Pete did a fantastic job with it. I've heard Sailor do this lots of times before. But the problem that you get is trying to say, all right, for any $1 that you have, it could go into any of these places. Yeah. And that place needs to be better than Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then the about the only thing you've got, and again, depends on your level of conviction, how much you know about it, all that, all you're really left with is diversification as your only justification for putting money anywhere else, um, as I see it. Um, and so when it comes to stocks and things like that, um, yeah, I'm very well well versed in discount cash flows and net present values and all the traditional metrics that people use to analyze it and you know provide intrinsic value to companies but risk is a huge thing you're relying on company management you're relying on um so many things counterparty risk uh, and it gets to a point where you say well, why would i take on that risk what's the upside and this was the thing. But but to your point, right, uh, one thing I probably should say, part of the reading, like so many books on value investing, but there's one which um, I read uh, um, quite some time ago now. It was called 100 Baggers. Uh, I can't remember who wrote it, but the name uh, stuck I'll with me. Which I'll take it out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, uh, what it was was basically a case study of stocks, companies that had actually done 100x. Yep. And what were their characteristics? Why? How? What was the journey like? How did it go? And um, fascinating. That's the sort of stuff that kind of makes you not too concerned when you see volatility in something like Bitcoin because you just look at the asset. You look at, in that case, the business. Best case in point was uh, one called Monster Beverage, uh, which you may have heard of. Um, Monster like the, soft drink company. The energy drink people? Or yeah, yeah, exactly. That. Yeah, they were a 100x company. Okay. Not that many people know this, no. um, but, you know, or care, unless you happen to have your $1 on there and come back with 100 bucks, in which case you'd be most interested. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but their journey was sort of up, down through the pit, almost going bankrupt, then up, down. And so the real question is, who would have held on for mm -hmm. that whole period of time? only people who kind of could value as opposed to looking at the market price. And this is fairly central, obviously, to what's going on with Bitcoin. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's an aspect of value investing and that you could probably talk a lot more about that, but I think you get a message. Uh, yeah. And people, I mean, human nature is to sort of overextend when you think you see something good, but when you're in something that's highly volatile, that overextension, whether you're right, whether you're right in, or not in the low, well, you may be right in the long term, but in that in that short term volatility period, you could be wiped out multiple times. So it's like, just yeah. ha having, well, having yeah. convictions, one thing, but also then not overextending yourself, even if you think you're right, even if you are right, to then you oh. you know you live to live to see another day. Type thing. Oh, absolutely. And that, that speaks to the whole leverage situation. And, um, you know, everybody, I wouldn't say everybody, but geez, the amount of um, wipeouts that have happened in the last little while, certainly yeah. in, in kind of crypto land. And I hasten to draw the distinction between Bitcoin and crypto. But even Bitcoin even the Bitcoiners, right? You yes. know, if they are, you know, high on leverage, they would have got wiped out just because they can't withstand the volatility that they forget that it's a volatile asset. It's, it's like getting angry with a dog for barking. It's what it does. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of it. 
But the thing that's fascinating to me, it's probably human nature, obviously, is that folks look at uh, a market price, like a USD or AUD market price, mm-hmm. and they think that's value. But it yeah. couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know just, what I mean? Like, it's, just, it's just what we, because it's what we currently use to buy a loaf of bread, right? That's the reason. Or pay our rent or, you know, fill up our, yeah. fill up our tank. Um, There's all sorts of things implicit in it. You know, things like um, assuming efficient markets. You, you've heard of the efficient market hypothesis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mean, yeah. You, you know, that, or, uh, um, you know, two economists walking down the street. Go on. You must have heard this. No, go on. Well, maybe, but go on. I don't, can't, go down on. the street and both of them see 10 bucks sitting on the side, on the sidewalk. And both of them just walk past it, assuming somebody else would have picked it up because that's what efficient markets do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's a pretty ordinary sort of joke, but I mean, that's yeah. an example of um, efficient markets, or at least the hypothesis. And, uh, they're not as efficient as people think. Yeah. They are over the long term, maybe, but over the over the day to day or week to week, month to month or year to year, probably not. Probably not. There's yeah. Some- I mean, Charlie, Charlie Munger has not covered himself in glory in recent times in <laughs> Bitcoin circles, as you know. And, um, you know, he, uh, they they actually, those guys, Warren uh, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, have had a lot of really good sayings because they're basically the, you know, uh, how would you say, the uh, senseis of um, value investing. Yeah. And, you know, they basically said in the short term markets are a popularity contest. And in the long run, they're a weighing machine. Yeah. And yeah. Now, if you now, can't... what's the old um, Buffett one? Like, don't hold, don't buy something that you're not prepared to hold for ten years or whatever it was. You know that. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's another good one. There's there's plenty of value in what they're saying. And another one is, um, you know, if you cannot stand to see the value of your holdings drop by greater than fifty percent, then you really shouldn't be holding them because you don't really understand. You don't have the stomach for it to start with. And yep. then secondary to that, you might not actually even understand what it is you're holding. Yes. Which is why I far prefer to look at things like uh, metrics, look at, you know, um, things like that, that, you know, could go into the detail of that if you like. So with that being said about investing, do you put any value in investing in Bitcoin companies? Um, and the reason I ask that question is you can have this convic- conviction and you can want these Bitcoin companies to do very well. And so, you know, altruistically, not altruistically, but somewhat, um, you, you might, you know, might want to support them getting better. But as an investment, as a like a put in money, get more out of afterwards, um, are, is there any way, you, so you're still, you're still retaining the risk of the Bitcoin exposure because it's Bitcoin. So is there any value in investing from your perspective? Is there any value in investing in a Bitcoin company or should you just buy Bitcoin? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, as I said earlier, in a diversification sense, um, you know, you always got to look for avenues to diversify. Now, Bitcoin companies, if you've already got a position in Bitcoin, I mean, before the boat accident, that is, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> um, you know, that was unfortunate. Um, but when it comes yeah. to actually investing in companies, <laughs> which are um, Bitcoin companies, it's not really diversified at all because no. you're still basically in the same space. So I don't believe that they are uh, things that you should have both of. It doesn't make sense. 
because if Bitcoin fails for whatever reason, and it could happen, let's be honest, yeah, um, you're not diversified. Um, so, so you know, it, it, it's it's up to the individual, and this is really important. And you know, needless to say, not financial advice. Of course. And uh, each person, I strongly urge to do their uh, own risk assessments. Every dollar that you have, you've got to sit there and think, all right, what happens if this happens? Where will you be placed? And that's, that's so it can be a bit confronting for a few people, particularly the crew who are all in, all in on Bitcoin. I get it. But if you listen to someone like Greg Foss, really good, you know, risk manager, yeah. or Larry Lapard, um, they're the first to tell you, don't forget about risk management, guys. It's great to be bullish. But think about what happens in certain scenarios. So where they have a luxury that I don't think is spoken about too much is both of those guys, and no criticism, no criticism of them for this, but both of those guys are already wealthy, right? Um, mm-hmm. So they can probably take a 10% stake and that 10% is still quite significant and will be very significant in a Bitcoin land, right? Yeah. If you're uh, just an average Joe sitting with $1,000 of savings, maybe, you know, let's just take $1,000 of savings, you know, to put mm. te- to put ten percent in, it's probably not going to have. I mean, yeah, if we do, be- if we genuinely believe in the you know forever Laura and up forever and all that kind of stuff, which I do, but even at a hundred bucks, it's going to take a while, right? So, um, so probably people that are less wealthy that but still have the level of conviction and even greater conviction maybe are more inclined to put nearer to their thousand in to try and get there faster. Right? Do do you think that's wrong? Do you think they should still have a ten? Like, we sh- should we all be allocating a percentage, or should we be based on our own wealth, or should we be should our risk be different? Well, you tell me. What do you think? Well, look, I mean, absolute classic standard financial management financial advice. They start with well, the very first thing they start with is show us your like a bank does when you uh, go for a loan. Show us what you owe. Show us what you own, show us what you owe, show us what you earn um, and what your expenses are. All right, first thing everyone should do with anything to do with money. I hope that's understood. From there, it's right now. Tell us about your risk profile. Tell us about how old you are. Tell us about lots of things like that that make you, you, and then influence your allocation and your level of risk. So if you're 100% in on a particular asset, that could well be justified and described as being high risk, even with the most conviction you can have, mm-hmm. what if something goes wrong? You've got to be honest about that. Uh, yeah. This and, is very, and, what you're and, saying and, is very, sorry, pers- very personal for me right now. Um, I don't know whether you it, caught last week or whatever. I am... Uh, I'm a. I'm I very, did about the house. Oh, yes, I'm pretty deep that, yeah. in a big. I'm pretty deep in a Bitcoin, right? But I'm selling a house. And go, going back to your earlier point, which was mm-hmm. you have to find you go go look at every other option and try and find a better, and you just can't find one. So what? <laughs> I hear you. Right. So it's what do challenge. you do then? That's the issue, isn't it? Well, look, there's a lot of folk. Um, all right. So what what you've got then is individual situations that you hear about. Mm-hmm. Sorry, and, I don't mean to be, make this about me, but that's no, just no, no. Hey, why not? I mean, I'm talking to you. Let's make it about you. <laughs> sure, sure. But um, a, a good example of this 
actually was um, at a recent bush bash. I was speaking to a, a long-time Bitcoiner, a, a guy who's who I respect immensely, a highly intelligent guy, and he was down in the dumps. He was down in the dumps because of the Bitcoin price. And I was surprised because he understood. You don't. There's nothing you can tell this guy about. Um, he was. He didn't have a house. He was renting, mm-hmm. and he just said, "I've been in this for this long. Why is it only at this price?" You know, this is right at the the bottom end of the bear market. You know, around fifteen k or sixteen k yeah. US. Um, and he was down the dumps. And so, you know, I sort of tried to cheer him up a bit, I suppose, the best I could. You know, I certainly haven't been as long as him. But, I, you know, I I know a lot of the logic. And I just simply said, listen, you got to look at the fundamentals of the network. But it's a decision that you made to not have a house uh, because that on its own is diversification. Yes. If you think about it, you've got exposure to the real estate sector. You might have your views on whether that'll go up or down, given interest rates and all that sort of thing. But it's a long-term investment. And this is the difference probably between a um, financial decision when it comes to uh, financial logic would suggest that you put your money to the fastest horse in the race potentially versus that diversification and maybe that warm, fuzzy feeling of sleeping well at night. These are personal decisions and that's different for everybody. Now, I'm not sure that helps you at all, but it... I, I'm not necessarily thinking about myself at this point. I'm now thinking about a person listening to going, okay, well, so it's the 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 framework for how that person then comes to the decision. Um, you just have to look at, you know, what's what are your goal, what are your genuine goals in life? I mean, do you want to be on a yacht? Are you happy owning a bungalow? Or you know, these these sorts of things are what's more important to you: a flan, fancy car or a happy family, or you know, all these sorts of questions. Not about money, just about the things that are genuinely important to you in life. Um, yep. And then, how do you finance the things that are important to you? And you've also got to think about: okay, what's your hypothesis here? You know, what are you expecting to happen if you believe a lot of the things that you read that Bitcoin will accrue value from other asset classes? that it will grow exponentially, then you don't need to go all in. You know, you've got room for risk management. And it probably, as you said earlier, comes down to your scale, how much money you've got to expose yourself, you know, how much exposure you want to take on. So we spoke about scenarios, one being it just goes pear-shaped and the whole thing, something weird happens out of left field, none of us can predict it, no one expects it. But I don't think any one of us could actually say that's impossible. No. They what happens then? Or anybody who does is lying to you because they don't know. I think they're overly bullish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, drink of the Kool-Aid is the expression. And you got to be kind of rational about these things. Um, but, you know, I, I think from my observations, uh, people's conviction and the longer they are around the asset, the more their conviction grows, the more exposure they have to the asset. And that's really the main thing that needs to be managed. The real question then is, is at what point do you actually change your allocations? You know, But look, it still doesn't change anything. If you've got your $1, would you feel comfortable in buying you know, woolly shares or buying 
Twilio US Tech or something on the NASDAQ, which has taken a bath in recent times. And if you're being quite honest, Bitcoin's still correlated as a, uh, a, a risk asset. Definitely. And, and for, so for now, is definitely. really, for now, because, you know, it hasn't really penetrated financial circles that to what it really is. They, no one's really done the work. Hardly anyone's done the work. There, there are some exceptions to that, of course. Uh, the one that comes to mind is that Fidelity report, which you might have read which was just unbelievable. And so I think we're kidding ourselves if we think those guys aren't accumulating, a lot of those big guys, but you know, it's not showing in the price. But that's not the point. The point is, is that um, you know, it, it's wise to consider uh, eventualities. Well, let's talk about that briefly then. Like you're saying it's not showing sure. in the price. I agree. I agree it's not showing in the price, but I also agree that these people, for all that we, you know, we can be critical of the bankers in 2008 and whatever, um, the, there are some smart people working in these organizations, and once they once they turn their mind to it, they will understand this, and they'll understand it quickly, right? Mm-hmm. They just it's just oh, not, yeah. for as long as it wasn't in their interest to understand it, they'll not even try, and that that's a different thing. But once they look, um, there the, and they get it, they will allocate, and they will allocate massively. So, well. That, well, well, the pr- okay, relatively massively, but for oh, them, it's a drop in the bucket. Absolutely, because but in terms of Bitcoin, have- it's massive. Oh, well, for sure. I mean, Pete did that. Yeah, you know, Pete Dunworth did that fantastic illustration of um, what was it? A couple of billion had an exponential uh, price increase on the market cap mm-hmm. of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So that means if a fund manager wakes up and decides, uh, I need to take a piece here. Yeah, you know, they're going to drop some some large money, particularly some of these pension funds and. Oh, geez, there's been some stuff about that. You know, think about that. Like some of those um, big pension funds in the US, uh, you know, you hear stories about the actual managers of those later being labelled clinically insane. You know, they're wined and dined by the investment bankers and there you go, take the money and do whatever you want with it. And that's where all those fruity derivatives come from and some of that uh, skullduggery that led to 2008. Um so that kind of thing is there, but oh, look, it's going. It, it will happen. At least that's the thesis, anyway. It should happen, and I'm probably among that crew that expect one day that you'll wake up and all of a sudden there's this gigantic green candle because something's happened. Uh, I can't tell you what that thing would be, but it could be a good number of things. So, do you think we're not seeing it in the price? I mean, I know we've had a little bit of movement in price, but um, do you think we're not seeing it in price because? they are not yet accumulating or do you think it's to do with paper Bitcoin? There's a few aspects. Um, There's, all right, so most people's idea of value is market price, as we were discussing earlier. Um, But the reality is, is that as an asset class, it's very small comparatively. Um, You know, so it's, I had the stats up before, but about 400 billion US or something along something those like lines. That, mate, yeah. well, well, which is a thimble. Yes. Um, so, and it's also associated big picture with, um, with growth stocks. And when the US Fed has still got their, you know, their foot on the brake, that's, you know, an interest rate's rising. They're not pressing the print button just yet. And so, you know, it is what it is. But that's where it's really important, eh? an understanding of how these things work. And, and let's not forget about the skullduggery of uh, Sam Bankman-Fried and others who might be like him in yeah. terms of rehypothecation of, of Bitcoin, uh, paper Bitcoin. 
which is, you know, that was his playbook, basically, just selling uh, Bitcoin that didn't exist. And it was just theft. And it's, you know, it unfortunately makes me a bit sick to my stomach about some of the actions. But let's say there are others out there who are probably still doing the same thing. Definitely. I think there definitely are people doing the same thing. Um, and I don't think how, that how can... big that problem is. I don't, I, you know, it's hard to quantify. You couldn't quantify. And, and you can't. You can't. So all you can do is look at the basics of supply and demand. And in that particular case, there was artificial supply where there was clear demand. Yeah. Um, so, okay. It's no different to the gold market. They've been doing that in the gold market for years and years and years. And it's very mature uh, as far as, um, you know, just basically artificially setting the gold price. Mm-hmm. That, that's another whole rabbit hole we won't go down. Yeah. Uh, but there's plenty of literature online uh, about that, about how that works. And it's no secret either. But that could no. easily change, change as well uh, fairly soon with some of the BRICS stuff that's going on, uh, if, you, if you've been following that. BRICS as in uh, Russia, India, China, Brazil? Is that what you said, BRICS? Yeah, yeah B-R-I-C-S, yeah, moving yeah, yeah, away so from... Yeah, yeah. from from the London Metal Exchange and some yep. of the skullduggery that goes on over there. Because for a long time, like it's what, 2,000 an ounce at the moment for gold, um, you know, and <laughs> dangerously close to going back to monetary history here where it used to be $35 an ounce and the whole 1971 thing and departure from the gold standard. Um, but, you know, with the amount of money they've printed since 1971, where the US dollar has basically de deflated 98% of its value <laughs> back to uh-huh. your cunning as a purchasing manager, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, yeah. which uh, goes straight into that. But, um, but, but you know, it should be around 80,000 per ounce uh, for gold, uh, but it's been held down and they're probably not quite at that point with uh, Bitcoin yet, but they're certainly no fools when it comes to manipulation. Well, I think um, what's going to be the rug, the rug pull on gold, not to, Massively go off on a tangent, but I because yeah. because we're seeing t- tensions around the world, you know, inter inter country tensions, uh, d- sort of deglobalization, globalization. Countries starting to want to trade in different currency. All of a sudden, that mm-hmm. means of control will mm-hmm. will get will lessen, um, and then all of us all of a sudden people will start to realize that the physical the physical metal is important again, um, mm-hmm. and then we might see the price run. So it's like you know like a bank run on gold, if you like. Um, Maybe, it's commodities. Maybe. It's commodities. Oh, yeah, I mean, yes, at, yeah. at the end of the day, give me something of value for the yeah. thing that I have of value. Yes. So value, value for value. Yes. And um, yes. you know, I'll sell my oil for. Hmm. Well, it won't be a US dollar. What will it be? Um, all right. Well, what can you do for me? What can you do for me to China? Yeah. yeah well, we manufacture a lot of stuff. All right. No worries. We'll take your yuan. Um, India. I don't know. Um, you know, there'll be something which they trade if they trade for their local currencies. Otherwise, just give us gold. No problem. And it won't take too long before that turns into Bitcoin because it's easier to transport. I think that's we it. all know that. that that's, that's part of the thesis. It's part of the theory that's going on here. Um, and as, you know, time goes by and, and you just look at the... I'm a big fan of some of the work of Parker Lewis uh, in the US. You'd be familiar with a lot of his yeah, stuff. Um, but gradually and yeah, suddenly, yeah, he's up to part 19 now, I believe. Is that what it was, 19? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually flicked him some sets the other day. Just the last one that he did is just 
top shelf, you know. Um, and, you know, basically it, what, one of the big things he has as a uh, sort of cornerstone of his argument is the amount of debt which is in the system and the amount of US dollars that there are to service that debt. Mm-hmm. And as a very rough illustration, for every one US dollar that's actually present, there's $10 of debt. So if you think about a requirement to pay for the interest, let alone additional spending, of which was $2 trillion just current year in the US, which they overspend, hello, yeah. what, what do you think they're going to do? Um, they're going to print money. Don't even talk to me about a debt ceiling. <laughs> that, that, that's all right. We'll let that one slip through to the keeper. <laughs> oh, yeah, the the, art, the artificial debt ceiling, but um, you know that's what happens, and they're just so used to it that they can't really change it. And so all we're doing is setting a wet sail in front of a macro tailwind. That's but the numbers really are just so large now; they're they're becoming unignorable now. The numbers are just so large, you know, in terms of well, like. What, 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 like comparing them against other large numbers, like a like a U.S. defense budget, or you know right. that can, you know uh, what I mean. I hear, I, I hear you. Like once it gets to that level, but I still go full circle back to your average, you know, pleb, your average Joe normal. Does he know about that stuff? Does he care? All he's doing is scratching his head, saying, hmm, "I wonder where all this inflation's coming from. I wonder yeah. why my my builder, like as a builder, why is my lumber cost more?" Yeah. I wonder why that is, and um, somebody's ripping yeah, it out I mean, somewhere, but they well, don't know where. No, they just can't work it out. And, and I, I'm not saying that I've got all the answers by any means, but I certainly like listening to guys who have done a lot of study and research, and are more than happy to express their views. And it offers an explanation, and it's only through that explanation that the reasonable person. Um, sets a hypothesis, an investment hypothesis. And that's, you know, Bitcoin doesn't care about any of that stuff. It just sits there and says, like Wiz says, you know, you've got signal, boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom, every 10 minutes. And then you've got crazy land with all of the things that go on with the things that everyone's used to, you to do with fake debt ceilings, to do with spending more money than you earn, you know, there's a reason why certain folk gravitate towards Bitcoin and sleep well at night because there's just less variables to worry about. Yeah, the signal noise uh, gif or meme or whatever you want to call it by Star Fury yeah. that, and it's just, it's brilliant. Yeah. It just, it's pretty it's, comforting, it's, that one. It just tells you so, it just explains so much of what you feel in a picture. It's incredible, right? <laughs> it is. That's why I love it. You know, I, it, that's where it came from. I only sort of saw it through Wiz, but, um, yeah, and he flushes it up every push bash. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's the kind of thing that just sort of, it's interesting that because what it does, it leads you sort of to a place which is out of sort of the wilderness and into a place of hope, I suppose you would say, which is actually a, a, a feeling that you're not having to weigh up all of these variables and all of these things. You just simply... Keep your Bitcoin in cold storage and you sleep well at night and let all this other stuff do whatever this stuff does. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of how I look at it. Yeah. Humbly <laughs> um, waiting with patience is the, is the, oh, like, try your best. But that's where it comes down to the individual, doesn't it? About, you know, how they, uh, how old they are, like whether they've got time. 
you know, I, I always like to sort of discuss this, I suppose, with folks who, who aren't really Bitcoin people if they're willing to entertain the discussion, which not everybody is. But I like to sort of talk to um, to folks who are like finance people or whatever and hear their arguments. And their primary argument is, what if it fails? What, what about the risk? And you say, okay, well, what about the risk of banks failing? What about the risk of a lot of, um, you know, traditional stocks associated with industries becoming um, dis- disintermediated? Is that the term? Uh, basically getting Kodak yeah, <laughs> when yeah. the digital photo came along. Uh, you're blockbusted, you know. Um, that's the kind of thing. You sort of have to have a look at that fairly carefully and say, right, um, okay. But then it just comes down to allocation as to whether you think. Because I can tell you this, and you'll know this, it's pretty basic. Western Union money transfer type people for overseas remittances, um, banks, the whole financial advice industry, um, MasterCard, Visa. Look look over your shoulder. There's a lot of industries that are going to be impacted here because Bitcoin's not going away. Yeah, I'd, I'd like uh, to... It'd be interesting to watch those... You, you mentioned you master, uh, MasterCard, Visa, Western Union. It'd be in, very interesting to watch. I mean, Visa has actually, you know, Visa are facilitating the Fold Card, for example. So they are starting to put their put their feelers out. They're, they're basically a tiny, tiny, tiny little hedge just to see what's happening over here. That's interesting to me. Western... I've not seen anything like that out of MasterCard or Western Union. Maybe they're just hitting yeah. the sand, hitting the sand, sweets in the island blockbuster. I I don't know, but um, or maybe they're doing something behind the scenes. You don't you don't know, but um, you you don't know, and and this is the main thing. Um, some people are extremely good at expressing themselves. If you really listen to someone like Michael Saylor, and so I've heard mm. a lot of people don't like him for various reasons, and and that's up to the individual. Um, but in terms of articulating. A position articulating an argument you won't hear anybody better just for that skill alone yeah there it, are no superfluous incredible. words right it's sound bites you know for the yeah. 60 second crew on cnn yeah keep it concise bang done got it that's it um but you know when, when it comes to all of that and even with those guys right now as you know that he's turned his business from what turned uh, what was a um like a probably an old business intelligence firm, he quickly turned it into basically the company treasury holding Bitcoin, which is a pretty strong move on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I understand he's actually moving to develop lightning products uh, as part of his business. And so he gets it. And he also knows yeah. basically this is going to, it's already happened. It's just people haven't actually seen it yet. Yeah, and you you mentioned on your last um, pod, I think, about um, the Philippines one, you know, with Strike. Uh, so Pouch was the name of the company, uh, Pouch in the Philippines, who oh, they uh, partnered that, up. That's with. the other end. That's the, that's the Philippine that's the, end. That's Absolutely. Yeah. What do you say, Pouch? P O U C H. P O U C H. Oh, I did not know that. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, and they have got the, the um, links into the uh, traditional banking system. So uh, the reason I mentioned Michael Saylor is because he goes to great lengths to say this won't kill the US dollar. He doesn't say it exactly, but he doesn't 
ever go out and say that because that will attract politicians and yeah. will attra- and, and just wait for the whole wave of nationalism and patriotism and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, he's which too smart is- to say. I don't believe he believes it. I think he's just too smart to say it. <sighs> no. Exactly. I mean, it's, and it's not going to happen tomorrow anyway, so it's irrelevant. So, and then this. But, uh, but that's the whole point. All he knows is that it just, it, it doesn't die. As long as it doesn't die, it's fine. As yes. long as they don't do some crazy regulation in the yep. US, which is obviously the biggest capital market on the planet. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as things keep sane and he'll do whatever he can. And, you know, let's be honest, he's, he's feathering his own nest. He's no fool mm. uh, and will quite likely be the richest guy on the planet before much mm. time goes by. But, you know, he wants to do what he can to ensure that. Um, but, you know, what he's trying to do is not um, attract the ire of uh, regulators, of, um, you know, people who would accuse him of being anti-American, of um, non-patriotic through assassinating the US dollar. That's how I see it. And he's extremely clever if you listen to the way he talks. Absolutely. So, so, me- so in other words, let them both live and yeah. we'll just see where the capital goes. Um, yeah. So let me take that one. Let's go with a final question. Let's take it on a slightly different angle then. We talk about um, sort of American ideals and free speech and, you know, hope and that kind of thing. Noster, mm. what is your experience so far? How much do you, how much have you used it? How, what do you, what, what's your thought? I haven't used it at all. I obviously see what's happening on Twitter. Haven't touched it yet. Um, yeah. But, I'm, but people seem incredibly um, bullish. Are you the same or what are you seeing? Yeah. All right. So, for those who are not 100% sure what that is, so N-O-S-T-R is the name of it, NOSTA, and um, what is it? It's a network of open something relays. But basically it's a decentralised Twitter. Um, now, a lot of folks got their mm, nose out of joint in relation to a lot of the censorship that was taking place on Twitter, and that's pretty much what forced this thing into existence. Now, it oh, it's early days but my observations are it changes every day. So I look at it, you know, fairly regularly um, and it's incredible. I mean, the very first thing that slapped me in the face was Jack Dorsey, all right, and he's Mr. One Word on Twitter. And then you go over to Nostra and there he is. He's, man, he's like seven pints in singing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he's just in his element. And... uh, Snowden, he joined the other day and he was showered with sats because natively uh, lightning is built into this thing. In other words, it's being built the way a lot of folks want Twitter to be built. Explain that to me. Sorry, you you have you can create a lightning invoice. You have a lightning uh, address. Yeah. How, how, is, how is that showering with that yeah. stuff? All right. So, um, all right. so for starters, I'm not an architect in this product, but I'll tell you my perceptions of it. Yeah. Every person, when they set it up, and Bitcoiners get this quickly because you've got the private and public keys. Mm-hmm. That literally is your identity. And yeah, there's a lot can be said about that in other areas to do with all kinds of identity management and all that kind of thing. But for the sake of NOSTA, you are a, a public key and you've also got a private key. But you also uh, basically set up a lightning wallet. So in other words, uh, anyone at any time can be sending you sets. So sending you Bitcoin, 
And they can do that just through knowing your public key. And if they like something that you've done, they like a post or whatever, Mm -hmm. bingo, there's money in your account. Um, It's very similar actually to the, um, I had had the good privilege of um, catching up with the Perth Heat guys when they were in Brisbane just recently and sat down with Steve just because I'm just blown away by what those guys have done incorporating um, Bitcoin into their organization. And they introduced this thing called... um, Sats for stats, which is basically a guy hits a home run or some does something good and up comes a QR code and bingo, anyone can send them sats. Yep. Send them money just because they're showing appreciation. It's not just hand clapping. It's something material. The guy can go back to his phone, back at the dugout and go, oh, man, look at that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just revolutionary in sports. Yeah. And Nostra, when it comes to what they're doing there, is basically instant payment for content. And it, it's exploding. It's going crazy. And my observations are heaps of guys are transitioning away from Twitter across onto Nostra. You see it like a lot of guys who used to post a lot, you, they don't anymore. And you see them over on Nostra. Jeff Booth's probably a good example. Definitely Jack Dorsey and a lot of those guys because they know what the future looks like. And it's value for value. So if somebody... There's a lot more we can say about it. Yeah. Um, but... You know, it, it's early days and I'm still finding my way around to it, but it's definitely promising. So it, it's, and it can't, you can't kill it. It's an open source protocol. Yep. Um, Just guess like Bitcoin. If, um, I, I think you and I are pulling, we're probably going to continue this conversation, but for the sake of the oh, quality, I'll, 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 <laughs> yeah. round, I'll round us up just now, but can you either, well, how does, how would somebody go about finding you on Noster? Let's start there. Um, well, it, what you do is you do a handle. And for me, it's the same as my Twitter handle, which yep. is at Gazlarking, yep. G-A-Z-L-A-R-K-I-N-G. Um, and that's it. That's how you find me. Um, DMs are open. If you want to have a chat, always happy to talk the corn, as it were. Awesome, mate. <laughs> we'll put your Noster public key in the show notes. Go follow Gaz, send him some sats and ask him some questions. He's a really... Really good, good guy, sensible, thoughtful guy to listen to, Maz. I really appreciate the conversation. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll 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 finish this up, and but we'll continue the drink, shall we? <laughs> no worries, mate. Thank See you, ya. mate. Cheers. <laughs>